This is Afternoon Prop, 30 minutes jam-packed with the news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice, not propaganda, agendas, and BS. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. The main story of the day continues to be, as expected, the El Paso and Dayton shootings. A few things have come up since then. I think the agendas have emerged. I'm going to start with what I think is the biggest agenda or the biggest element of the of the intention to use this crisis for political purposes. Uh, and then we can go back and forth. I'm sure you have a lot of insights, Binkley. So uh, what I noticed right off the bat today, what struck me as the most important thing is that the El Paso, mayor, El Paso mayor and the Dayton mayor both are openly disappointed in and kind of disgruntled with, disdainful of Trump. And the Dayton mayor said uh, that Trump did not take the issue of gun control head on and make it the top priority in his remarks. And in my mind, that is by design. It reminded me of the aftermath of Sandy Hook when everybody said the same thing about Obama. If you looked at his executive actions, executive orders, it you were like it seemed like a nothing burger because there's no gun control in it. But what was in it was privacies and information sharing changes that one diminished an important element of Obamacare privacy. Now pediatricians do ask you about guns in the home, which was at a point that was hammered out with Obamacare, and it just disappeared after Sandy Hook, if I recall correctly. And also a big agenda for the Holder Obama administration was information sharing across government agencies, which is in violation of the 1974 Privacy Act. So they brought – they used the nothing burger of gun control – to take the focus away from what was on the actual agenda, which was information sharing. And in this case, I think the real uh, uh, agenda items here are mental health and kind of hate. Uh, conspiracy theories are on the FBI agenda, domestic terrorism, uh, hate crimes, mental illness, what I'm calling, or even racism, not even hate crimes, but I'm calling them crimes of the mind. I'm going to have to coin that as a glossary term, crimes of the mind. That is where Trump is focused. And if the Dayton mayor said something like, I understand gun control is hard for a Republican to pass, but thank God Trump is at least addressing mental health issues, red, promoting red flag laws, talking about uh, cultural change, addressing ideologies and the way people think we really need that. That's an important element of social control. You know, if she said something like that or even close to that or even approving of what he said, it would alert Republicans in the GOP to the fact that what Trump's doing is exactly what the Republicans say they don't want, which is social engineering, total uh, mind control, thought control, the thought police, PC, all that kind of stuff is what Trump is talking about bringing down as a matter of law. And that's what I think is the big takeaway here. Yeah, it's definitely been a bizarre story that's created, I think, some confusing reactions in both sides of the aisle, so to speak. Like – and. Yeah. Oh, go yeah. ahead. No, finish your thought, and then I've got additional. Go ahead. I'm still ideas. formulating that. That. Uh, <laughs> opinion on that. Yeah. I mean, it, there is a lot of agenda 
they're satisfying a lot of the different agendas right now on both sides of the aisle, but they have to do it in a way that does not alert people on their side of the aisle. Now, obviously, yeah. this is all stuff that Democrats want. So it's the Republicans that they're trying to get to heal. That's why you see pictures of Marco Rubio and uh, Lindsey Graham and even in Georgia, there are supposedly calls for red flag laws yesterday when we read – some excerpts from articles in the journal, it talked about how the base trusts Trump. So if he tells them to take it, they will take it. And that is the danger of the cult of personality. And that's why hashtag it will take a Republican. But I have other issues too. So we can finish with that and then I can move on to the next uh, agenda item I see emerging, particularly from the Dayton story. Yeah, I see. I have an agenda item too. You want me to hit hit you with that now or you want to go with those first? It comes from the CNN article I saw this morning. Dayton shooter appeared to tweet extreme left views and had an abiding interest in violence. And when you go on to read the article, it says that he supported Elizabeth Warren and that he frequently shared Antifa stuff. He appears to be a representative of Antifa, at least the way the media is portraying him, and contrast that with the way they're portraying the other guy as a representative of white nationalist, and this is all coming up about a week before the Charlottesville anniversary of the riots a couple of years ago. So yeah. we had these two shooters who did these horrible crimes, and one on the left is Antifa, one on the right is white nationalist, and they're stoking this tension right before this pro- – there's going to be protests. There's going to be stuff going on in Charlottesville, and – they said they're they're implying, and I think they're even I think they're saying that this Dayton shooter, he posted stuff on Twitter about how the guy who uh, shot up the people in El Paso is a white nationalist and a bigot. So they're making it appear as though his shooting was a response to this, to that shooting. So I, I think they're trying to stoke this almost this communist Nazi dialectic that we nice. saw back in the 40s, and, and they're using concentration camp. They're they're using Third Reich and Hitler. All of this stuff is playing up to just a, a divide and conquer of the country right now to really heighten those tensions leading up to the election next year. And and frankly, it's insidious. It's terrible, and it's going to cause violence. The 20th century dialectic was I have. Obviously, we've all observed was fascism versus communism, and I wondered what they would use for the 21st century, and I think it was supposed to be the clash of civilizations, Islam against Judeo-Christian cultures, but I'm not – maybe they need two at once. Maybe that wasn't really working, but it seems to me they're falling back on the old standby, but it really falls flat when you look at a – that's why Trump does the rhetoric of socialism – and then passes the biggest budget in peacetime or whatever that um, fosters the largest debt since World War II. He's he's a socialist for all intents and purposes. And it, the so the dialectic is false. I have a tweet here from Mr. Eric. Should I read it? That goes to what you're saying. Yeah, go for it. A little bit. That, that whole uh, I'm a leftist Twitter account, I guess this guy had stuff that was just so obvious. Let me read the tweet, and then I think you'll have an insight into it. That whole I'm a leftist Twitter account sent my BS detector into a frenzy. It seemed so ham-handed, like just the perfect linear counterpunch to the other shooter. What scares me more is the amount of Borgs buying this S and taking sides. Smartphone plus MSM equals MK Ultra. That's a, yeah. it packed a lot in there, Mr. Eric. Thank that, you. I mean, that's, a, I can, that's a great tweet, and I made this comment this morning. I think they might have verified or at least they claim they verified since then. I'm not 100 percent sure. But up until this morning, they were still saying that 
he allegedly wrote the manifesto. He allegedly – this is allegedly the other guy's Twitter account. Oh, so they still weren't 100 percent confirming that, at least up until this morning. I don't know if that's changed yet. Um, but yet the media was running with it as though it was a Antifa versus white nationalist type of thing going on, despite the fact that they were still investigating whether or not that was in fact the Twitter account of the, of the one shooter and that was in fact written, the manifesto, by the other. The manifesto, I did actually read every word of it since yesterday when last we talked, and it was it was a, a microcosm of every dialectic in itself, and it was chock yeah. full of buzzwords and triggers inconvenient from inconvenient truth. Yeah, it was called the inconvenient <laughs> truth. It talks about sustainability. It talks about recycling. Automation. It talks about corporations using resources. It talks about how we all are going to have to have universal basic income. I mean, this guy is actually closer to a Nazi than any Republican or conservative because he has all the socialism and environmentalism and stuff built in, which the actual Nazis did. They were national socialists. They weren't national libertarians. Yeah. So I have a lot of that stuff, but I also had another line of attack uh, totally unrelated to that coming out of Dayton, I thought. So are you ready to share yeah. that or do you want Lay to keep, on okay, with that theme? Uh, so I, I, I've talked about this. I've written in my glossary. It's a very – it's a fairly well-known expression. Are you familiar with the expression Chekhov's gun? Yes. Okay. So I know you know what that means, but I'm going to explain it, that it's – where Chekhov, when he wrote, he talked about writing and said, if you have a gun that you describe as hanging on the wall in one scene, you better use it by the end of your story. Yeah. All the, everything has to have a purpose. Uh-huh. So when I see, so like I said, this guy's manifesto was full of buzzwords. When I was reading the articles for the, about these stories in the Wall Street Journal about El Paso and Dayton, I caught, of course, many, many buzzwords to the point where I was, uh, it seemed to me like everybody got an, an English class assignment that said, use these phrases in an essay. Yeah. And, That's and what the it phrase, felt like, didn't it? Yeah. The phrases are like, he got the gun legally. He had military style weapons. He said he had, uh, body armor. So yesterday when I saw, the article that said that the guy had body armor and the cops responded quickly. I thought, okay. And we talked about it there. That stuff sends up a flag to me. And so I saw more of it today. They talked about, uh, he said the Dayton guy had military grade ammo, uh, which shouldn't be legal for citizens. That's the idea. Yet uh, he also had body armor, which would have been a problem except the police had special rifles that penetrate that. So there's something very interesting in that. Interesting. And then in, a, in another article, it said, and I'll tell you the punchline, law enforcement is in danger of response in when they respond to these incidents. So you've got this picture being painted that this guy has ammo that's very dangerous to the good guys. He has body armor, which protects him from the good guys. In this case, the good guys were totally militarized. So they were safe or whatever. Like that's the image that you have to understand. You know, however the details of this play out, I don't know. But the imagery they're painting to me is here's a guy who this civilian guy is a SWAT guy, basically. He's in SWAT gear with SWAT bullets. If you don't have every cop, a RoboCop or a SWAT cop, 
he's not going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with this guy. In this case, he could. They could. But in future cases, they might not. So when I saw that he had ammo, uh, uh, body armor and still was defeated, I thought, oh, I know they're after body armor. I'm surprised they set out a story that showed a guy with body armor getting defeated because they like to show a guy with body armor doing really bad stuff because he can't be taken down. But the whole idea, the whole big picture, we are always marching towards making sure the civilian population cannot resist. So they can't protect themselves. They can't have the kind of firepower that matches them to the thing they are really afraid of, which is a tyrannical government. They never talk about the stuff that actually causes almost or is involved in almost all the crimes. They never talk about that. They only talk about we need to make sure that the government way outpowers the civilian, obviously. Yeah. I wonder – I guess they had that those bullets or those guns, they had them with them on the site, or I wonder if they witnessed the shooter through some sort of surveillance and then brought the gear with them. Like I wonder how accessible that hardcore technology is. The of the say that again? I wonder how easy how easily the police were able to uh get that those guns. Like I wonder if they had oh, them yeah. on them. Well, they were saying that they heard the shooting I, I saw it again because when we talked about this yesterday, I had read in the journal, and I was like, I, should, I hope I use that citation because it sounds unbelievable, and they're probably going to change the story. But they didn't, and it was in the journal again today. The cops heard the shooting for 20 seconds, and they took the guy down in the 10 seconds after that. So within 30 seconds, the first shot was fired, and that guy was down as he tried to enter Ned Pepper's or whatever Ned Pepper's bar. Oh, so this was the one up in they Dayton. read it, yeah. Okay, I, I, I was thinking it was one in El Paso. So yeah, they took him down in under thirty seconds. That that's that's right. really interesting. That so, so both sides had like yeah. really intense technology because the, I mean the one guy was like a, like you said a SWAT and he killed multiple people in like twenty seconds. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know what details of this stuff. I actually believe not because I did the research on this, but I've done the research on numerous other events and the same news outlets will change the facts without printing retractions. So yeah. for me, there's you can't really count on the on I don't I don't count on the facts unless I have good reason to believe that they are what exactly what's said to me whenever. But the image that you have to have with this guy in body armor with military grade ammunition getting taken down in uh, in a flash, I mean my idea is you've got guys Roaming cops roaming the streets who are robocops basically or whatever fully armored with the highest power weaponry to be ready for anything at any time and when is going to be a good time to be ready for anything at any time in case something breaks out august 12th the two-year anniversary of the charlottesville thing where there will be gatherings and there now will be increased tension between antifa and the white nationalist yeah i think you're right and um I don't even want to see how that comes out, uh, but I think you're probably right. There's going to be news around that. The this uh, another thing that I wanted to kind of call BS on is they. One of the things they're saying is that it's really hard. The the El Paso guy put up that manifesto shortly before this all happened, a few hours before, a couple of hours maybe, or an hour and a half, and it says how hard it is to spot red flags like that on the internet. But I will tell you, I, I, there's it isn't. I got taken down basically immediately just for supposedly bullying 
Sheriff Israel after Parkland. My son's uh, carpool karaoke of the song Sunflower got flagged immediately on YouTube. And yesterday when we were talking about – What got flagged on YouTube? My son – there's a song Sunflower. And he was my son who has Down syndrome. He he's pretty funny. Everybody loves him. He's very humorous. He's great with music. And he likes carpool karaoke, which is a TV show or YouTube videos of that guy who has that night Ty Corden, James Corden, something like that. Yeah. So so my son likes to do that. And Sunflower came on the song. So he was carpool karaokeing, and my sister taped it, taped it, whatever, videoed it, and her daughter uploaded it to YouTube. And I said, Oh, I want to see that video. I, somebody wants to see it. And she said, Oh, it got flagged because of copyright violations. So that happened like instantaneously. And we talked about this yesterday. Like they, the, that's Sergey Brin's claim to fame is that he, he sent that search engine that finds copyright violations. I'm just saying it's not believable to me. And then yesterday when we were talking about the capital one hacker, yeah, uh, the capital one hacker, was said some crazy stuff on a DM in Twitter. So it wasn't on Twitter. Be warned, the DM is public. So or whatever. It's totally like there's no Fourth Amendment rights to a direct message on Twitter. And she said something that uh I'm not going to repeat on the air because I on this recording because I I am confident that they can detect that language and suppress it. Like I think this would get pulled if I said the words, even as a quote of what that person said. That's how my experience. Yeah. Because like the other day we were talking about climate change and my phone started talking about climate change (laughs) to me while we were recording. You know what I mean? Like they're like, you know, I just, to say that they can't pull that stuff like instantaneously. I don't believe it. Or I shouldn't say even not instantaneously. They're definitely going to, I think use that to have a delay on like live stuff. Or, or they're working on making live stuff. Uh, you know, maybe they don't want to give away, give up on live, like Facebook Live or whatever. They, but they're probably working hard, or or have, and are about to unroll that real time censorship. Real time censorship, yeah. I, I think they want to keep live and sent and yeah. work to censor it, like you're saying, because if they keep live, then everybody it'll get to the point where everybody is surveilling everybody else for them. Yeah, it seems like a, a tool in the toolbox that they are unrolling for a reason, and they're not going to say, "Okay, no more live." They're and and they work hard on this stuff, and that's probably why they'll why they'll unroll this and say, "Oh, what we're actually doing is we're gonna we're gonna air." They talk about this. We're gonna air. I've seen articles about this. Oh, why does it get overly censored? Well, we err on the side of too little censorship or too much censorship, how should it go? Right now we're doing too little censorship, but if we in the future err on the side of flagging stuff, we think maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like they're going to use excuses like this to overly suppress stuff. And and I think that came from Jigsaw and Alphabet, and Jigsaw is working on suppressing comments that are too sarcastic. So I sincerely doubt they can't figure out uh, how to suppress this manifesto that's full of, that opens with, uh, uh, praise for a, a recent villain of 
of tremendous proportions. Jigsaw is also part of the a major part of the Google News Initiative, which we've talked about a lot. You can find in previous episodes is part of trying to control the information, what gets out and what doesn't get out. Oh, so that all folds in that perfectly. Reminds me of one of my headlines for today. It's probably a good time to switch to kind of rapid fire headlines. I got one more for the yeah. Okay, go for thing. it. Mm-hmm. it. It's uh. Huffington Post, and I saw this story everywhere, same type of headline. New York Times nightmare headline, Trump urges unity against racism. And then the subheadline is empty and disingenuous. So I don't even know if the New York Times ever actually published that because it was leaked that they were, they were going to publish that headline. And then everybody was outraged that the New York Times said that Trump called for unity against racism because they want to imply that nothing that Trump does – is not racist at every action, every word. It always has a racist intent, so they want it to be impossible for their audience to not see him and to not see the right as racist so they can stoke this divide and conquer. It, oh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the tweet I got from AJ earlier today saying, HN is no more thanks to a New York Times article. That's interesting. I, yeah, possibly, I didn't know. I, that, I didn't know. I mean, so I cut you off, though. What was that's you saying? unbelievable that – Nothing – if nothing someone can say or does can be accepted as not being racist, Yeah, that they're outraged that he's called for unity against against racism, and that they're outraged for the New York Times for publishing that is unbelievable. I mean that, that is that is race baiting. That, that is an yeah. intent on racial division, and it's insidious, and it's horrible. It's also – Taking away from the fact that Trump will, if I see what's coming correctly, and I think it's already started, uh, actually put into action some unconstitutional, unpopular stuff Republicans and conservatives would not like to address these crimes of the mind, of which racism and all that is a part. You could never get the Republicans to take it laying down. If a Democrat did stuff like that, that's why it's Lindsey Graham and those guys leading the charge. Yeah. All right. So you had a headline. You said. Yeah. Let me read the um, the blurb from the journal. Gatehouse's parent, which is called New Media and its parent, it is owned by Fortress Private Equity Group. Agreed to buy Gannett in a roughly $1.4 million deal that would combine the two largest U.S. newspaper chains. And what I have to say about that is. Really? Yes. It's that now like uh, local news will be. Uh, I don't know how they're getting around antitrust, but they blamed Facebook in the article. They blamed Facebook and Google for the end of print media advertising. And uh, they and, and I just would say. What is local news if every local newspaper from coast to coast is owned by the same company and the the nationalization of local news has been studied and revealed to be highly divisive and polarizing, even as – and this is my opinion, and I think everybody knows it's true – even as – those local newspapers, which are all owned by the same company, have a convergence of policy views. They have a they they still have a divisive and polarizing effect. It's really form over substance. There, it's a dangerous trend. What was the name of that company again? It's well, there's three names. It's Gatehouse and Gannett are merging. Gannett is the big one. I didn't even know about Gatehouse, but Gannett is the big one. But it looks like Gatehouse is the one that's buying Gannett. Maybe Gatehouse is bigger. I just don't know it. It's also called New Media. New Media. And it's 
owned by Fortress Private Equity. Uh, and I'm going to look up later to see if that's also part of the Google News Initiative. I have a se sneaking suspicion there might be some <laughs> sort of relation there. I would be surprised if it weren't. And I just I do think it's interesting because that that kind of nationalization of every thought and so the whole you know i love the 10th amendment even though it is yeah. basically defunct and that's why we the, the whole idea of the american experiment having 50 different states or 13 in the beginning having their own laws their own regional differences having it as basically uh national protection free commerce basic protections against that overarching government but the states in my opinion the states aren't even aren't even this is my opinion, but the states aren't even bound by the Bill of Rights, that it really applies to the federal government. People say the 14th Amendment changes that. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. But my point is all this centralization, which is preposterous to have a, a country this big is totally unnecessary uh, that has everything conforming. Trump – so this – I think these local newspapers contribute to regional – uh, you know, kind of getting rid of regional changes, which that kind of thing was in this guy's manifesto. So mm -hmm. now if I say something like that, they're like, oh, you sound like the El Paso shooter. It's like, I'm not. I, uh, and that's they, what they were saying about Trump a, when he gave a, a speech. Sorry, I didn't put mean a to jump ton on of stuff, Yeah, no, sorry. But they put a ton of stuff in the El Paso shooter's manifesto that just to try to demonize all those ideas. What are you saying about I'd Trump's say speech? They, what you just said, there was headlines this morning that said exactly that. They said Trump – it was something like Trump, without realizing it, echoes the themes that the that the shooter echoed about him. No way. When he was talking about what happened. Yeah. So they, they did exactly what wow, you just said. I don't know about that because – okay. You could I, – I, I, I think I get what's happening here. I read the whole manifesto, and it talks about – uh, it's very sophisticated. I, had I know. To I thought it was a little too sophisticated for someone 21, that young. Yeah. Very hard to believe. So, and he's like a grocery bagger, and I just very hard to believe. So, but I have met sophisticated people that age. I have. I people write emails to me that I'm like, really? You're how old? So, uh, but the, so I was reading it, and it talks about how cultural diversity is just a momentary passing phase, and that eventually what happens when you have the melting pot is that all cultures get absorbed into the dominant culture, which is kind of like a sociology. I think that's like a basic tenet of sociology. I mean, I've read that many times. I've never read any of this kind of racist stuff, but where they say like over the years, if you look, I used to take a lot of anthropology. I was actually accepted to Harvard as an anthropology major, and I switched to economics because I knew I didn't think I could make a living that way. But I did took a lot of anthropology, and I remember them saying over like you can do it two ways. You can you can dominate a country through war, or invasion, or whatever, or you can through immigration. If the immigrating country, the the peaceful immigrants have a stronger, more successful culture, which is why they're encroaching on your land, your territory. They they ultimately may have a bigger effect on your culture than you have. I mean, it's just stands to reason. I don't know. So I was reading his stuff and I was like, oh, they're making any kind of like observation about culture or migration or the changes in society as being, you know, untalk aboutable, you know, a crime of the mind. And I didn't even make the connection about Trump, but I flagged that Trump said what culture, what he said, I think almost word for word, cultural change is hard. 
but we have to do it. This isn't about guns. It isn't about this. It's about the way people think, and we have to do things to change that. I found the article, the headline that uh, goes with that. It's from the Washington Post. Donald J. Trump inadvertently backed the 8chan manifesto of the El Paso shooter in speech. Then it says Trump just blamed El Paso shooting victims for their own deaths. He endorsed the racist manifesto worldview when he tied gun reform to immigration reform. I mean, that's just I I mean, that's almost freaky to me. Uh, Freaky, because I have here as my top note on the page where I wrote all my notes about the manifesto. It says many of his ideas are included to discredit them, in my opinion. Yeah, that is freaky. It's freaky because because when you look at this stuff, it is quite ham handed, just like Mr. Eric said on Twitter. It's quite ham handed. And I think it has to be that way because nobody is going to actually dig into the details. It has to be extremely large. So that it can be absorbed. We have one minute left. What do you want to – That's wanna... completely pre-planned to me. That's, a, that's pre-planned, that yes. headline. We're, we're going to do that. Whatever speech he gives, we're going to relate it back oh. because you can oh, find anything that relates back. I think it's planned even earlier than that. I think yeah, this – I think you're probably you know, right. The manifesto, I don't – You know, this okay. now is really – I really smell a rat. One minute left. I have a left. quick headline. Uh, I think we actually have about two and a half minutes left. Okay. <laughs> right on. My headline – I've seen a lot of these lately. I, I ignored these yesterday, but I kept seeing them again today. This is from the a Wall Street Journal. China warns Hong Kong protesters signal growing impatience. Official cites Beijing's strength underscore support of local leader urges police to punish lawbreakers a day after a strike paralyzes the city. Pro-democracy pro- protests in Hong Kong are becoming increasingly violent. New propaganda videos of Chinese police and soldiers on riot drills evoke memories of the uh, – Tiananmen Square? Yes, you got it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, then it goes on to talk about how the tactics being used by the resistance in China – is growing increasingly violent, and I was curious as to why I kept seeing headlines about this particular story in China because we don't always see stories about protests in other countries unless there's a theme they're trying to put in our head. And I, I kind of think that they're trying to put a theme of a bunch of of the resistance rising up against a dictator and using violence. I think they're signaling tactics for the resistance over here to use. Maybe, and you might find it interesting who's behind all that. I actually tweeted this. I'm sure you didn't see it or you'd have mentioned it yesterday. You want to hear what I tweeted on the China protests? No, what was it? It was an article from the Ron Paul Institute who's been following this, and I've seen a couple of articles like that at the ronpaulinstitute.org, and I tweeted a quote from the article, and this is it. What is not only omitted but actively denied is the fact that the opposition's core leaders in Hong Kong – Parties, organizations, and media operations are all tied directly to Washington, D.C. via the National Endowment for Democracy no Ned, way. Or NEA, and corporate foundations like the Open Society Foundation. No way. Yes. I, I don't know why yes. that surprises me. Yeah, I, I missed that. That's that's exactly kind of what I was thinking. Why are they yeah, putting they're this trying, in and then. I did read beyond it that what they were trying to do is stop Hong Kong and China from fully integrating. I think they're doing that on behalf of Great Britain, something that you uh, would like and then uh, – or not like. That would trigger you. And then uh, on, a, on a kind of related note, 
We uh, the there's supposedly a currency war underfoot that's tanking interest rates here, which happens to come on the heels of our monumental achievement of having a national debt greater than our GDP for the first time since World War Two. And I wonder, yesterday was the worst trading day of the year, and I see two tweets from Dean, one recent and one a long time ago. He seems to always be ahead of this stuff, uh, where he says, oh, is the Minsky moment coming? He tweeted that last week, and yesterday was the worst uh, trading day in history. The Minsky moment, I had to look it up, was when there's an overheated market and sentiment suddenly, like the scales fall from people's eyes and and the market crashes. It's over, game over. And then he also said that uh, when I asked him, why did Trump get elected that day? And he said, maybe they need to pin the inevitable crash slash correction on him. So I read an article today saying that, that our economy is going to get crushed because of a currency war that was instigated by Trump's uh, unsophisticated China trade policies and antagonisms. So I feel like this monumental debt, which is which is a paradigm busting state that we are in and not there is, no, in my opinion, there's no way to get out of it within this paradigm they're blaming it on Trump's tra- tra- trade policy, and uh, I, j- I don't know what's going to happen next, but these are important. These are, these are very important stories. Absolutely, and I think that wraps it up. I have some intense propaganda that I got from Indivisible that I'm going to dive into on in our longer show on Thursday. To give you a little teaser on that, the headline that I got from, the, from Indivisible, which this is a fundraising and fear-mongering email, is – we need to talk about white supremacy, and it's the most unbelievable email I've ever received. You can get the afternoon prop at thepropreport.com, or you can find it on your favorite podcasting platform. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.